0: and welcome to Native Stories. Native Stories exists to share the voices of those connected to the land. David Molo, a writer, a Hawaiian writer, of about the year 1840, says, The building of a canoe was a religious matter. When a man found a fine koa tree, he went up to the priest, whose province was canoe-making, and said, I have found a koa tree. A fine, large tree. On receiving this information, the priest went at night to sleep before the shrine. If in his sleep he had a vision of someone standing naked before him, he knew that that koi tree was rotten and would not go up into the woods to cut that tree down. If another tree was found and he dreamed of a handsome, well-dressed man or woman standing before him, when he awoke, he felt sure that that tree would make a good canoe. Preparations were made accordingly to go into the mountains and hew the koa into a canoe. They took with them offerings of a pig, coconut, red fish, and ava. Having come to the place, they rested for the night, sacrificing these things to the gods. Sometimes when the royal canoe was prepared, it seems as if human beings were also brought and sacrificed to the tree. There is no record of cannibalism connected to these sacrifices, and yet, When the pig and fish had been offered before the tree, usually a hole was dug, close to the tree, and an emu prepared, in which the meat and vegetables were cooked for the morning feast of the canoe makers. The tree was carefully examined and the signs and proportions noted. The song of a little bird would frequently cause an entire change in the enterprise. When time came to cut down the tree, the priest would take his stone axe, a koi pohaku, and offer prayer to the male and female deities who are supposed to be the special patrons of the canoe building, showing them the koi the pohaku and saying, Listen now to the axe. This is the axe which is going to cut down the tree for the canoe. Malo continues to say, When the tree began to crack, ready to fall, they lowered their voices and allowed no one to make a, make a disturbance. When the tree had fallen, the head priest mounted the trunk and called out, Smite with the axe, and hollow the canoe. This was repeated again and again as he walked along the fallen tree, marking the full length and the desired canoe. Dr. Emerson gives the following as one of the prayers sometimes used by the priest when passing along the trunk of the tree. Grant a canoe which will be swift as a fish, to sail in stormy seas when the storm tosses on all sides. After the canoe had been roughly shaped, the ends pointed, the bottom rounded, and perhaps a portion of the inside of the log removed, the people fastened lines, to the canoe and hauled it down to the beach. When they were ready for the work to begin, the priest prayed again: "O canoe gods, look you after this canoe, guard it from stern to stern until it is placed in the canoe house, the halovaa." When the canoe was hauled by the point in front or held back by those who were in the rear until it had passed all the hard and steep places along the mountainside, and been put unto the finishing touches, when completed, pig and fruit and fish were again offered to the gods. Sometimes, human beings were again part of the sacrifice. Prayers and incantations were part of the ceremony. There was to be no disturbance or noise, or else it would be dangerous for the owner to go out into the canoe. If all the people except the priest had been quiet, the canoe was pronounced safe. It is said the ceremony of lashing the outrigger to the canoe was of great reverence, probably because of the ability to pass through the high surf waves, depending on how much the outrigger as a balance which kept the canoe from being overturned. The story of Laka and the fairies is told to illustrate the difficulty surrounding canoe making. Laka desired to make a canoe, a fine canoe, and sought through the forest for the best available tree. Taking his stone axe, his ko'ipohaku, he toiled all day until the tree was felled. Then he went home to rest. In the morning, he couldn't find the log. The trees of the forest had been apparently undisturbed. Again, he cut a tree and once more could not find the log. At last, he cut a tree and watched in the night. Then he saw in the night shadows, a host of the little people, Menehune, who toil with miraculous powers to support them. They raised the tree and set it in its place, and restored it among its fellows. But Laka caught the king of the gnomes, the Menehune, and from him learned how to gain the aid, rather than the opposition of the Menehune. By their help, his canoe was taken to the shore and fashioned into beautiful shape for wondrous, wonderful, and successful voyages. According to Malo, hehevaa va'a was a gambling sport. When people wanted to play, they picked out a group of the strongest hoi va'a canoe paddlers so they could race as a team. Everyone bet according to whom they thought would be the strongest in hoi va'a. Wages were heaped up and then the He va'a began. If the va'a used was a kioloa, a long, narrow canoe, Then it would be a one-man race. If the va'a was a pulua, then it was a two-man race. They raced in the open ocean, moana loa. Then they paddled while others bailed out water. They paddled the va'a until they landed ashore. If they landed at the same time, then it was a draw. The first va'a to beach was the winner, and the people of that va'a cheered. The others were disappointed because they had wagered and lost. Some of the Hawaiian trees have beautifully grained wood and at the present time are very valuable for furniture and interior decorations. Ha! Waste money. The koa is probably the best of the trees of this class. It is known as the Hawaiian mahogany. The grain is fine and curly and wavy and is capable of a very high polish. The koa still grows luxuriantly on the steep sides, and along the ridges of the high mountains of all the islands of the Hawaiian groups. It has great powers of endurance. It is not easily worn by the pebbles and sands of the beach, nor is it readily split or broken by the strong waves of the ocean. Therefore, from time immemorial, the koa has been the tree for the canoe and surfboard of the Hawaiians. Sometimes these canoe were given miraculous powers of motion so that they could sweep through the seas more rapidly than the swiftest shark. Often, the god of the winds, who had special care over some of the high chiefs, would carry him from island to island in a canoe, which never rested when calms prevailed or stopped when fierce waves wrenched, but brought the chief swiftly and unfailingly to the desired haven.
1: I think the pride I have is, like I mentioned earlier, that we paved the way for women to do, come across the Kaibi channel because not everybody can handle it. It, it was, it, it was, um, we've always had that concept. The six of us at Waikiki Surf Club wanted to, we always came up and said, women can do the Molokai race. And every time we approached somebody, they always said no. The men said no, the coaches said no, everybody said no, women cannot, women cannot. But we never let this leave up, Brian. We always spoke about it. The Molokai race. So in nineteen fifty four, three of us, we got on the beach on a Saturday afternoon, the men had gone to Molokai, that's the race started at KBQ. And we're we're talking about say, oh, we only can get a ride right over to Molokai. We can watch how the race comes back. But we didn't know how we we're gonna come back. Truthfully, we didn't have money, we had nothing. And we said okay, so we went down to Honolulu Harbor, um, yacht club. Asked who is going to go to Molokai. And this, this guy said, uh, "I am." His name was Rothwell. I'm going to Molokai. We three women need a ride. Yeah, okay, come, take you. We only had T-shirt, jeans, cut-off jeans, and a T-shirt. No money in your pocket, not even a penny. Nothing in your pocket. Just, you know, we're going to go. We jumped on the boat, and la. As we were going over, we were going against the current, we were rough there, and he offered uh, us some crackers, <laughs> crackers to chew on, because it was kind of rough. When we got in that evening, it was after midnight, I think it was, and we, and it was, in Kaibiku, there was a bay there, where the race to start before, and he got so far in, it was black, black, black. All you could see is just little lights on the beach, town, little lights, the Molokai people came down every year, until Big all for this, fellow And he said, I cannot take your he's inside because it's breaking. So he said, oh, okay, well, I guess we'll swim. So just then, as we we're saying that, said that, this dinghy came by He said, I've got a uh, room. Anybody want to go on to shore? He said, yeah, I got three wahines. He said, tell them come. It was Duke I mean, Duke, I, that was I mean, my love. I mean, every afternoon at five o'clock in the evening, Duke is his niece, myself, and a few others, we surf at Queens every evening. Oh, so you know him already. So, yeah, I know him already, so he, he had a flat bottom boat, and he took us there and dark; he couldn't see really he had no, no, no headlights on at, at that time, I think I was twenty, maybe nineteen twenty someplace around there and I was uh um nineteen I guess, and we we got and he got so far and he says. I cannot take you folks all the way in. We said, why? Well, they said, it's breaking. I don't know if I can get my boat in there. We can't see anything. So three of us got. we said, oh, we'll swim in, not knowing what was in the bottom, not knowing what's around us, not knowing anything. We're just going to get to shore. We saw those lights. We knew we could swim in. We swam in. We got out. We we knew we are on Molokai. But that's where Waki Circle boys were. and They showed us, and we walked out walling for a side, our coach, Took one look at us and he saw us and what are you doing here? We said, We came to see the race. How do you think you're gonna see the race? On the escobot? I mean he's he was livid. He was livid. Look at you folks. You all look like rats, trained rats, you have no clothes or nothing, no. And so you know we we we, we looked at each other and, and thank God, Rumakoa and Dutch Dutchino and the other guy, McCarty, came out and gave us the jackets. And, you know, we, we were hungry, of course, too, but we didn't ask for any food or anything like that because, you know, we were bad, bad girls at that time. <laughs> and So I said, hey, let's go to the Molokai tent over there, those people from Molokai. Let's go over and see if my aunt is there. So we went over, and I asked, is Auntie Meyer here? Yes, uh, Auntie Say, Annie, what are you doing here? I said, we came to watch the race. He said, you folks all wait. I said, no, but we're hungry, Auntie. <laughs> so, so they gave us, so they gave us food to eat. But, and it was very, very touching for us to watch. There were only a few crews at that time. To watch the boy the men all being, they're thinking, they're praying, they're, you know, doing whatever they had to do, and. Four o'clock in the morning, you're supposed to be up. Well, it was almost that time already. And, cause they would have church service at that time. Motor people would be there and they would have a church service. And, and then anything you want to eat, you can eat and so forth. So we joined in with the men and doing that. And it came time to take Yokana out to the, out to the boats. And Wally said, how do you think you first gonna get out there? He said, I hope you're gonna take us. And he, he said, I told you, look at it, it's breaking. It's breaking. How are you going to get out? I said, just like the other canoes. Wait for the break to slope and you dive out. <laughs> I mean, there was, there was no, I mean, there was no love for us at all. We all said, the three of us said, we better not talk too much. I said, yeah. <laughs> so, so, sure, he says, okay, get on that canoe. So we got on the canoe. <laughs> that was a Malia. Get on the canoe, took us out to the, to the boat. We got on, the three of us sat in the corner. We saw the top part of the boat, and we watched the race come across. We watched how the men, those days, they didn't make water changes like you make water changes now. The canoe would come up to your boat, the escort boat, and they would change that way. And that that's how they were making the changes. And one funny part of it, we were listening, Georgie Downey was calling out, because circle had two crews, I was calling out to Rumako, who was... Paddling during the first crew, and he was saying they, they had no, di- you know, how the winds or clouds, or nothing. How you get there, how, which route do you follow, south, east, west, north, whatever. And so while Georgie's down instead stood on the boat, he says, Oh, Blue, for the cloud, pull the cloud. And Blue said, What? follow that cloud over there. And finally, the three of us looked at each other, looked up the sky, it was blue as ever. We're looking for what cloud? <laughs> what cloud they're supposed to follow? So, okay, so they they, we, they followed, and blue said, I don't see what cloud. There's plenty of clouds all around. And they went that way, that way. So, you know, they came across it, but the men, they were so into it. They were so devoted that they, they paddled and fell. in those days, It was the first race, he didn't have a canvas. The second race they had, Wally Forsythe was the one. Wally and Georgie Downey were the ones that spoke about the the putting the canvas on board, putting the canvas over. And they came across the second year like that, and they they, they won. The other clubs outwork everybody said that. You're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to do that. So I did ask Wally. I said, Wally, Wallace, how come you have a, a... a canvas on the canoe. He says, Henny, when I did research, there was, the Hawaiians must have come across the Red Sea, the Yellow Sea, the Black Sea, the Blue Sea, whatever sea you want, come across the seas, and they, they had to have some kind of thatching, some, you know, hala or some kind of tapa on there in order for them to get back. So they, they, Anyway, so they, he said, oh, so, I, so I see. So the following year, everybody had canvas. Well, the kind of canvas that they had was a thick army canvas that they put on and they snug, and they snug up and they tied in rubber around them. Wow. So when the guys got in, they were all raw yeah. from paddling, very raw. They only had hanging on the side of their, by their knee, a bag with, uh, honey, Oranges, candy, whatever you could have. I mean, whatever they could have in there. They, they went in, that's, that's what they had. Was it Cobol or Malia? What? The Malia. That's yeah. the, they were yeah. only, co, only the core boats. That's all they did. They did the core boats up, I can't remember when. And they kind of settled it down. So, so they, they didn't have that kind of thatching, so that was Wally who, and Georgie Downing, who perfected that. To come across the canvas, and they used that that rough ar- army canvas, and they came across with. But by the time the boys would hit the beach, over here in Honolulu, over at the Royal Hawaiian, not Royal Hawaiian, the one hotel. The time they hit the beach, they got out and they were happy, is on their okole. their knees were rubbing against the. The canvas, canvas everything. I mean, I rub against the, the siding of the wood, everything. Mm-hmm. They were, I mean, they were out of it, I mean, but they loved the race. And so we looked at that. We said, we can do it. And with that, it's never left our mind. We always talked about it. We always asked, how can we do it? What do we have to do? No, everybody said, women can't do it. Women can't do it. But it never left us. We always said, women can do it. And so with this, we we sat back and we thought about it again. And we talk about it quite often. And then they're perfecting with the men's race, you know, uh, knowing what to do more of the men's race. But as we went ahead and, and kept talking about it, and nobody would tell us how to do it. We, have, we approached so many different people throughout the years. And always in our hearts, we knew there will be a time that women can do it, that somebody will finally come through and say, okay, you're going to have our blessings. And that finally happened when, when uh, Donna Coelho came in. I mean, but yet, Carlene and uh, uh, and the rest of us were talking to people on the beach. You said, women, can do it. And to my belief, to honestly believe, that once the women did the Kaibi Channel, it opened up a lot of routes for women. Because the women only did flat course races. And not long, not long-distance races. It was always flat costs. They never did. For our the, yeah, <laughs> the kaivi Channel was never, never entered in any of their their, their You know,
0: who made these
1: rules? Huh?
0: Who determined that? that the HCRA did the HCR?
1: No, it was the Coast Guard. Okay. Our coaches, mm-hmm. the men. Um, they said the women couldn't. Do they couldn't handle it, and we all said we can handle it. You know the proper training and so forth. So Carlina and there was the next group coming up. And so they started getting motivated with this. And they always kept in touch with me. And so by getting motivated with this, they went ahead. And they did in 1975. Uh, that's when uh, Onipa it was comprised of four clubs, Waikiki Surf Club, Outrigger, Kai Lua, and uh, Lani Kai. Uh, four clubs and one canoe. There were only two canoes. Onipa was four clubs and then Helani. They took the chance in saying they're going to do the Molokai race. Well, it happened so fast. Bang, we're on the... I mean, I was on one official boat. Lefebvre was on the other official boat. And I was officially on Onipa. And they both took two different routes. One went... Big Bell coached the uh, Helani. And Wally and Georgie Downey coached Onipa. So with that, the Onipop came the north, came the south. Uh, no, north, they went north, and Babe took the chance of going south. Well, the race ended at uh, uh, Ilikai. But as we got into Koko the two canoes came to like this together, and they were both really even. But because one was on the southern route, and the water was running from the south, one was on the north. The Onipa came in, came in second on that there. But it was uh, it was very refreshing to watch these women. And I was fortunate to be up there and, and to, to, you know, I mean, in the water, I mean, it, it was, uh, proud. I mean, I was proud to be there to see these women do it. Even though it was an unofficial race, but they did it. And they didn't know what they should do it with. How many women? So they did go with 18 women to try to test it out. Uh, at that time, yeah, cause we, they, they weren't sure of the safety nest protection. We knew the men went with nine, so they went with 18. And it ended at the, uh, they didn't get that. That was, the, that was the unofficial race, the first unofficial race. So with that happening, everything started up again. So, oh, let's try again. So, tried and tried again, and it actually took about Four years, because that was in 75, 79, Navagini finally pulled together a committee. And uh, we were known, I mean, there was just a bunch of from different clubs. In fact, uh, Lita Blankenfield, Mary Fern, they were one of the first ones on our, our committee. And uh, in fact, I have the first minutes I gave, turned over to you folks. As Mary Fern was our treasurer. And Lita was, I Lita was doing something. But we were... I mean, we all had support from our our husbands, and these women were, and I was, Leah and I were the ones that were watching what we had to do, what had to be done, so they asked me to be on the committee with him, I said, fine, there are about 10 of us, and they asked if I would be the race director, and I said, fine, I said, I would, being that I had worked on the men's race also, I knew what had to be done. There are many times we had to fly up to Molokai to sit down Molokai Ranch to find out if we could go to the ranch to get down to uh, uh, Haleiwa, and uh, Freddie Emmons and I would take the small plane up to Molokai as he did with the men. I'd be with for the women, and we sat down to get the get the okay. The first year it happened, we went across. We um, we really didn't know. What to expect? we all got down to Lono. my first stage was the back of a red truck. That's my first stage' making the announcements you know we had 16 crews. Oh, we thought oh we, we thought we had, we had the world. We had a total of 16 crews and with that we they came across and, and I was I was the very director of that and I was able to watch every single bit. These women were dedicated. They were determined to show it could be done, and they did it. And they were beautiful. And from that today, I believe that's what created a lot of the races today for women across coming across KB channel. We went out that first year. We went out with uh, twelve girls. We went out with twelve girls. After we did the first few years, couple of years of twelve girls, we knew it was. 12 girls were too many. So we what we did was dropped it down to the open, 10, and the masters would be 12. And that's what we did. And 40s was masters back then? Or 35? Uh, there there, I think it was, uh, currently might know. I think it was 40 or 35. So yeah. it could be someplace around there. So that, that's how it was because the first few years, we, we were still you know, 16, 17, 18 crews like that until the race started growing. Uh then we we started ha- I mean, we we didn't have money to start with to be be honest with that but we went on a we just went on a whim, we went on a feeling it's going to work um, and every year for a few years it did it, that's the way it worked out and we came through it flying colors we knew a committee was going to get you know, we're, we're saying okay to things that we're going to know we're going to try to make sure we pay for but if we didn't have, I think, uh committed group of ladies, it could have fallen apart. And you had to be committed, really to really be committed. And that saw, uh, and as you came, as the years went on, you know, I think it's after the third, fourth year, I came up with the idea, hey, let's let's have a, uh let's promise people with was the money coming from what we just said. Let's put on a spaghetti dinner for these these paddlers and let them do their own thing. The you know, spaghetti dinner had we said before. And we did that. And that worked out and it started off with only maybe a hundred something women at first. Then it grew to about seven hundred fifty plus. It was it grew big and it was one of the most fabulous things you could have. Brought everybody after after we did the coaches race uh, meeting, all the paddlers were go home, take a shower, come back down to the hotel. The hotel was set up with all these tables, a stage set up. And, you know, they would do their, What well, we said do your own thing, they put on skits. Like a talent show. Huh? Like a talent show? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, they, they, they put on skits of, uh, about the training and, and how their coaches oh. would act. I mean, it was a kick in the pants because they, they were, I mean, they were imitating the coaches. They really were. And they, that's where people were laughing and laughing because, the coaches finally caught on to it and the women caught on to it and they were, they brought the house down because they, they put on these skits and it was, it was something that you couldn't, uh, take away from them. And so, you know, the race grew and grew and we kept adding on and adding on and Naniols and myself were, you know, we had a lot of means to attend, but well, we we're the, re, the the two that were more flexible with our time and we, Met with the coast guy. We met with everybody you could think of. I mean, at the beginning, we ended our first race at, um in front of, uh, Then Hilton Hawaiian Village, Ken Keane, he called me. He asked me, um, Henry, how about ending your, your race uh, in front of the Hilton Hawaiian Village? And I said, Ken, I think we can do that, but can you help us? He said, in what way can we reciprocate? I said, have lunches? Sandwiches for my officials, juice for them to drink when they come in, and, you know, and a sound system out there for us. And that's how they came over, and, and they, they kept up with us. And then as the years went on, we felt about, you 10th know, year, I think it was. It could have been our 8th year. Bank of Hawaii, who was sponsoring the men's race, I kept talking to them, meeting with them. And can you guys sponsor the women's race, in Navahini? It was also They didn't have the money, didn't have the money until one year it broke through. The money came through. We were riding high. We were flying. We had money. We could work with. We could do things with. But no matter what it was during the lean times for Navahini, because these dedicated women stuck together, these dedicated women knew that the race was able to be done, we were able to hold that race together difference between this race versus the other races. The KB the Mokai race? Yeah. Versus Catalina versus I think Pailolo. I think the difference is camaraderie, the people, how the canoe clubs come together as one. The morning of the race, when I arrive there, I walk to all the clubs, hi to all of them. Then I go up And I talked to them. I talked to them the day before, of course. I talked to them the whole time I'm there. But in the morning, I I go down to make sure, you know, I talk to the paddlers, wish them all good luck. Then before, the Oli, I would call all the paddlers up. Come, I said, my, 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 come, come. We're going to have a pulley now. And Oli and I'll always step in. But just before, as I would call them up, and they're standing there, they would hold hands. They'd stand there and hold hands with somebody they're going to compete against you, the next guy, compete. They're holding hands. And that gave me a bright idea some years back. Turn around and throw a loud voice of cheer, a joy. Hug your canoe paddler next to you. Hug your person you're going to paddle against. Love them, hug them, tell me you love them. And that brought so much aloha to the sport, that to me, that brings all the paddlers together. And then once we did the pulley, the oli, everything, everything was through, But with that, I said, okay, I see you guys on the end. Have a safe race. Good luck to every one of you. And you're on the water and you're visiting all the can- uh, canoes out there. And that brings, again, because I've done the men's race many times too, brings a lot of a law and which I can't say anybody else had with the women's race. Because the men aren't that way. They're not gonna go and hug you and kiss you and hi, hello. You know, I mean the women's race they have more, or more inside. And and that's the big difference, you know, I mean the men, the martial men, you know, you see them that morning walking down and big shoulders, broad shoulders, small bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know marching yeah. down, marching men. And you know that and you know, they're they're buffed out but the women smile, hello, hi, how are you? I might even hold the little door down open for the next guy coming in. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's that, that that's what that means yeah. so much too. Yeah. What's that? Do you
0: have a message for anyone that Oh yeah, you know, the race but is thinking my about My
1: message to anyone out there, any woman that wants to paddle the Molokai race, do not be afraid of it. Go for it. The ocean loves you. You know the ocean. The ocean knows you. You have capable people on your escort boat that will watch out for you. So never be afraid of that ocean. Thank you for listening to us on Native Stories. Navigate through location-based stories on our Native Stories mobile app. You can find it on Apple and Android stores under Native Stories. Go check them out and leave a review and tell your family and friends. If you have a story you would like us to tell, or want to sponsor future podcasts, location, story, or walking tour, please email us at info at Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook under username Our Native Stories.